David Locke going to join us here momentarily. The Utah Jazz getting ready for a trip to Memphis. PK, you know, it's one of those deals where you talk about all the stuff that goes wrong, but you don't talk about the stuff that goes right. You talk about the free throw disparity when you're minus 10, not when you shoot 10 more than the other guy. We talk about the schedule when there's back-to-backs and four games in six days, but it's a nice little soft spot in the schedule here. Get a day off, you get to practice. Locke always – he told us actually before they went into Sacramento, games have been piling up, they haven't been at practice, maybe there'll be a problem, and sure enough there was and they lost. Well, they're going into Memphis and everything's in their favor here. Maybe he's not going to say that. I know, but I, do. <laughs> I just said it, so now he doesn't have to. He won't. <laughs> Yeah, well, whether you got one day off or four weeks off, you got to play Memphis on Friday. So, <laughs> it's great. If it works to your advantage, make whatever you have work to your advantage because you got to play the game irregardless. So, go ahead and play it and try to win it. They're a building team. You're not a building team in that regard. You are a building in the sense of getting better as you go, but Memphis is not competing for anything substantial this year with a number of young guys and John Morant looks like he's a fine player I'm looking forward to watching that game getting getting to see him was saw him in the NCAA tournament didn't watch a whole lot of Murray State during the regular season saw him in the NCAA tournament and followed his progression up the charts of draft mock stuff and sure enough he went what second to Memphis and see what they got there and they made the trade and made sense for them to get rid of Conley as an older player with all that money and I'm interested in watching this game and to see what the Jazz can do. They should be able to beat Memphis. That doesn't mean they will. This is the NBA. It's like I said with Minnesota and like I said with most of these teams. This is, this is a great time to be an NBA fan because just about every team has somebody that I'm interested in watching, particularly in the West. With John Morant, you know, we didn't get to see him much because he's just not in a league that's got a TV contract. So he's not going to be out there. And I find it cool when a guy who knows his moment in the spotlight is coming and everybody knew when he was coming and you got to come up big and you're not Duke. You don't have multiple chances. Hey, we're going to be on TV ESPN 15 times. Yeah. And we can look good. I can look good 10 times and I can have five bad games. John Morant, <laughs> he had to make it happen. And he delivered. He thrilled people in the NCAA tournament. I'm one of them. I started singing, ja, 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 Morant. David Locke joins us now, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line, Lisa Nee Hanset, and get an iPad for ninety nine ninety nine. Visit the local Sprint store near you. David, good morning. No. Yes. No, no, no. Yes, yes, yes. It was, and then I heard that. <laughs> it's not a good morning at all. <laughs> Come on, you know you want to belt it out. In fact, you can even use it. Ja, 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 Morant. Sing it, Booner. Um, no. You can do a duet. <laughs> yes. You don't have to do it on the air. You do, like, social media stuff before the game. I've seen and that. After? You, can do it. you can do it there. And after. You can do it there. No, no, no. Ah, Seven see? In the morning. No, no, no. You're <laughs> easing into it. You're trying it out without trying it out. No, I'm not. It was unpleasant. It was uncomfortable. I haven't had nearly the appropriate amount of caffeine to combat such a thing. It was really awful. Yeah, but that's the beauty of it, is it's in in its awfulness. So what's the... No, not at 7.30 in the morning. What's the early word talking to your people around the league? You know, a lot of people now, you've been doing play-by-play for uh, several years, and you have 
had a chance to have pregame casual conversations, develop relationships with people, and he even text you. What do people think of John Morant? Snap judgment, eleven games. Oh, he's in. real. Oh, he, he's absolutely real. Um, the jumper's probably not great yet, um, but the wiggle is incredible. The um, the the ability to change direction with the dribble, uh, the explosiveness. Um, no, he's real. He's really he's. Um, uh, he's he's fantastic. Like um, every, everything about him, I think. Uh, and then the character sounds great. And the willingness to get better. Um, but I mean, if you watched last night, his ability—you know—Donovan has this. This is kind of what separated Donovan right away. Is that ability to get in the lane with the dribble, in and out, change direction. I, you know, I refer to it as the wiggle. So a lot of guys are just straight line. Um, these guys are, are different. Uh, last night he made a move. Uh, he ended up getting fouled by Cody Zeller, but I mean, it was just ridiculous that he was able to get to where he got to. Um, and so he's great. Um, his rim finishing is pretty good. He's at 58%. His shooting is only okay. His, you know, it'll be interesting to see what he does against the Jazz. His, his paint non-restricted area is like 36%, and his long twos are about 31% is his threes. He's only taken, I think, about 20 all year. Um, he's right, he's shooting him well. I mean, I think he's like eight or nine of 20 or something of that nature. Or maybe it's eight of 18 or something. Um, so it's not, you know, it's not fully refined, but oh my gosh, for one year, um, looks in complete control. He's got two game winners already. Last night's final shot was, you know, there's like eight people in the league that could make that shot last night. When you look at Mitchell relative to other players who come in the league at his age, so many of these guys, they're basically kids. You know, you go look at Hayward when he came in. I mean, he looked like a string bean. And then you look at him four or five years later, and it's obvious he had done massive work to his body. Mitchell, unless I'm forgetting, he looks the same, meaning he had a pretty good body to begin with when he came in the league, and now he's in his third year. How much stronger, because he's still a young kid, how much stronger do you think he can actually get? Oh, it's interesting. I haven't thought about that. Um, I mean, I don't... Hmm. You're right. He is pretty developed. He's super strong. Um, you know, the thing that they say about Donovan all the time is that he actually was supposed to be like six seven or six eight, and he just grew to six one. Um, you know, he's got these huge feet and these long arms, and like everything about him is supposed to be like six 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 seven, and it just didn't happen. Um, so, I don't know what that impact. You know, I, I don't know. I really I hadn't thought about. it. I don't know how much stronger he gets, um, or if he even needs to, frankly. Right. I don't necessarily know that he does because he's come into the league with a man's body, basically. But I'm just wondering if, because he's still only what 22, 23, he could you could make the case that he's still developing physically, which then would stand to reason that that would make him better. Right. I mean, I guess it could make him worse too, right? Uh, it depends. You know, I you get, just look at a guy bigger, like Malone. He got way better. Lose, some, lose something. Uh, possibly, but but if he went to see if, if it was just natural strength that just occurs through maturity, then. No, if he went out and decided I need to be this bodybuilder, what have you, well then, yeah. Um, yeah, I, you know, I don't know. I, um, 
And then let me ask you this. So if he got stronger, are there, part, are there moments when you're watching him where you think he needs to get stronger? No, no, that's what I'm saying. No, yeah. he's got, he's a, he has a man's body. Now, this is nothing that he needs. I'm just wondering if it will happen naturally, which would then lead me to believe that he would even be better. He's really good right now. I know. Um, you know, he's taken, he's taken, you know, we're 11 games into the season. Um, he's taken a noticeable change to who he is as a player. And what's interesting is he's taking the exact same amount of shots and using the exact same amount of possessions as he did a year ago right now. Um, and yet his field goal percentage is up five percentage points, just three point percentage, I think up five percentage points. I don't know how long this one can last, um, but he's just got such a beautiful touch that maybe it can. He's on balance so so terrifically when he shoots, but his off-the-bounce three has been pretty good this year. I think he missed them all the other night, so I think he went from 44 to 36. I mean, we're still in that kind of range where, you know, something it changes one day or the other. But his, his catch-and-shoot three-point game, I believe, don't totally go on this, but I think is over 50% since January 1st of last year. Which is incredible. That's 1.5 points per shot. Um, his off the bounce game is at about 36 percent, I think. So that's pretty darn good as well. And so if he's suddenly hitting his off the bounce three, you know, in that 35 to 38 range, um, he gets pretty unstoppable. Um, he gets pretty close to Dame. And boy, is Dame Lillard having until last night? Um, is Dame Lillard having one of the great years? Unfortunately, his team's so injury riddled that no one's noticing. But you know. One thing on, on Dame is his, I think, career-high three-point shooting is about, I think, other than one year, is 37%. Um, and so Donovan's you know, significantly ahead of that right now, which just gives you kind of a perspective. Now, Dame's bigger, but not a lot. I mean, Dame, I think, remeasured at 6'2", if I remember correctly. So, um, you know, if Donovan can get that pull-up jumper, that, you know, Dame takes about seven or eight of those a game. That would, that would really change things. David Locke joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Looking for things that are right about the Jazz and things that are wrong about the Jazz and need some help. I think that PKNM kind of zeroed in on the bench. How good is the bench going to be? That's the question mark out there. How good do you think the bench is? Who do you think already off the bench you can just count on? And even if fans don't realize it yet, you know they're already going to be a lock. And where are the question marks? Potential issues. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not clear on that group yet. I mean, obviously Joe's not comfortable there. Um, Moutier and Jeff Green were just fantastic the other day. Um, you know, I said this in the very beginning about this season. Uh, we don't have because this group is so much more talented. We don't have a particularly play hard group. If that makes sense. Now it hasn't shown. Quinn's got him playing pretty hard. And our primary two guys. Wait one second, guys. Um. The um, our two primary guys, Donovan and Rudy, sure play hard, and and I'm not saying guys don't play hard, but like there's there's hustle players in the league. Hustle players are usually because you don't have enough talent. So if you don't hustle, you go home, right? But like you know, Patrick Beverly or even Patrick Kinahan, you know, Patrick Kinahan, of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, guy. You know, if you look through rosters, and frankly, you know, I mean, those guys truly like the reason they play hard is because if they don't play really hard, they go home. Um, so I, you know, that's where this bench is a little different. I also think that there's, 
this bench is a little different because both Moutier and Green think of themselves as natural scorers, which they've proven they are in their careers at different times. Moutier's, you know, started a lot of games and puts up a lot of shots, and Jeff Green does the same. So they're not natural ball movers. So it's just a very different group than what we've ever had before. It's taking me a while to kind of adjust to it. They they were certainly great. I think we're learning Jeff Green's a streak shooter. Um, what didn't he start the year like seven of his like ten of his first nineteen? Then he went two of. 13, and now all of a sudden I think he's – sorry, I'm off the top of my head now, but I think he's six of his last 10 or six of his last 11 or something like that. Maybe it's five of his last 10. Um, so clearly he's kind of a streak – seems to be a streaky shooter. Um, but I'm not I'm not sure on the bench unit yet. Um, and I'm not – you know, Royce O'Neal is a guy that would probably go into that play hard category. Um, so we have – you know, the group as a whole has it. The bench per se doesn't seem to have it. Did I see some footwork from Gobert the other night that I haven't seen and maybe can lead to him scoring some more points? Uh, I think so. You know, he's working hard. Uh, Rudy has a tendency when he says something he probably shouldn't say to back it up, um, which is impressive. And so he's, you know, suddenly Rudy's shooting 70%, right under 70% for the season. Um, what is he, about 19 of the last 22 from the field or something crazy? Um, but, yeah, I thought so. And um, he... Fully exposed DeAndre Jordan for what a terrible defensive player DeAndre Jordan is, despite years of people believing otherwise. Last night, the other night in the second half, um, defensively Rudy was just incredible. I mean, um, that second half defensive performance by the Jazz the other night was was otherworldly. I think the defensive rating was like an eighty-eight. Jazz, Lakers, Magic are the top three defensive teams in the league, not separated by a lot there. Are the Jazz going to sustain this pace? Because we talked how much about they made changes to add offense to the club and shooting, and yet they seem right there among the elite. Is anybody else going to join that group? Well, Miami is playing an interesting style there, forcing a lot of turnovers and playing with a level of aggressiveness with multiple of athletes that leads me to believe they'll be there. Um, I don't love their shot distribution, um, but they're preventing people from making shots and turning people over at a really high rate. So I would assume that they would will be in that group of elite defensive teams. Um, Toronto seems to be playing at a pretty high level defensively. I watched them last night. They were really good. So there's, And Philadelphia was supposed to be the best defensive team in the league, and Milwaukee was last year. So I think those are... Unless I'm forgetting someone, I think those are probably the premier seven defensive teams in the league. There is nothing about Utah's effort so far this year that is false. Um, in fact, if you look at, um, I looked at this last night, I don't know if it changed, but if you look, I believe we've only played one game against Philadelphia, maybe two against one against Philadelphia and one against Oklahoma City. I think Philadelphia last night was so bad that they dropped into this group. So now two of our top first 10 games have been against bottom teams. So it's not as though we're feasting on the Clevelands and the Charlottes and the Memphises and the Chicago's and, uh, and the Orlando's and the New York's of the world and to get our defensive numbers. Instead, you know, Phoenix is the third best offensive team in the league. I think Brooklyn is about the fourth and Milwaukee's the fifth and we've, the Lakers are the eighth and we've played all those teams so far. The Clippers are middle of the pack and, and we've seen, you know, them once and then one shadow of them. So, uh, there's nothing about the Jazz defensive numbers and their performance right now that I think is in any way, shape or form, um, 
you can't poke any holes in it, I guess. And then I'm a huge believer in shot distribution, and I'm a bigger believer in defensive shot distribution than offensive shot distribution. And the Jazz defensive shot distribution is the best in the NBA by a considerable mark. So you speak of Joe adjusting to this second-team role, and there's some struggles there. How about at the end of the game in the fourth quarter? Because he's he's playing his usual role, the role that he has been playing. Should he be playing better then? Well, he certainly did. He defended Kyrie great. Um, I thought it was notable that he was in the game despite having a bad offensive game. Um, he, you know, I think that that showed you, you know, that his relationship with Quinn and how much Quinn trusts him and that that lineup um, at the end of games is hopefully going to be our, you know, it's kind of our go-to lineup. It's yeah. It's been really fabulous. Our starting lineup's been great, too, as well. Um, so, I, I mean, I think that, I mean, there's two things. So, if we actually look back at Joe last year when he, and I don't think I have access to these numbers anymore just because of the way um, NBA.com doesn't save things, but Joe and Derek's pick and roll, which we all fell in love with and thought was so fun. Joe's numbers actually weren't very good personally in that circumstance. Um, the offense actually wasn't that great overall. The pick and roll was okay. Um, in other words, when Joe's handling the ball all the time, he can't pass to himself for an open three. So his numbers are not as good under that circumstance. And what's happened so far this year is that he's taking more off-the-bounce threes than he is catch-and-shoot threes. Until the other night when he kind of went over, his catch-and-shoot three game was exactly the same as it's always been. It was just off-the-bounce threes were not as good. Teams might be defending him a little differently. Um, and that's a harder, always been a harder shot for him. So a little bit of this is what we're asking out of him. When he, when he plays with the ball in his hands, he does not um, – we do not play as well – or he does, he does not play – as well, but when, you know, right now our offense is four points better per 100 possessions when he's on the floor. So that probably should be what we keep an eye on with Joe more than anything else is what, you know, what our offense looks like when he's on the floor compared to um, what his personal numbers are, because as long as we're asking him to be a ball handler, his personal numbers will not be very good. Well, I think that, you know, having him on the floor and Bogdanovich at the end of the game, they did that. What we, you were talking about, I was asking about the dunk spot for Rudy Gobert, and they did that. And it looked like what the defense chose at the end of the game was matchup with all the three-point shooters. So Joe never gets a shot to improve his uh, personal numbers, and Bogdanovich didn't get a shot. But it left Rudy to get an offensive rebound because Jordan went to help on Mitchell driving. And there's nobody to block Rudy out, so he gets a he gets an easy putback, and the Jazz are up four, and that pretty much sealed the game. Are we going to see them do that a lot, or if you use something a lot, then it just forces other teams to try to solve that problem and creates the next thing? Does Quinn just kind of sit on that and keep it in his back pocket, or does he really exploit it here early in the year? Um, I'm not sure. I mean, there's some pros and cons to it. An astute comment. I, I don't know if people caught it exactly as you started it, but the idea is that. Rudy starts, instead of setting the pick at the top, starts on the baseline. And up front, you go find, you know, they ran Conley off. They ran Conley off of Donovan to put Kyrie as the guy they were going after. You find the weak defender and then let Donovan just go one-on-one. What's, what the, the concept that's so interesting about this um, is really what you're doing is because the league, and I think we've talked about this in past shows or I have on other shows, because the league is playing drop big almost universally right now, where every team's big is 
dropping all the way down and just basically sitting on front of the rim and staying below Rudy, making it very hard for Rudy to get lobs and also forcing our guards into a tremendous amount of, you know, short mid-range shots that you actually start Rudy at at the behind the basket, make the big start there, opening up the middle of the floor for the driver, and then the big actually has to go to the ball. So instead of retreating back, at which any point they can kind of jab forward to the ball and have an impact, now you're making the big go to the ball, and there's an idea that that could free Rudy. There's some downsides to it. Rudy likes to be involved in the pick and roll. Rudy likes to touch the ball. It keeps him engaged. I'm not sure you can run it all the time, but it's a nice weapon to have in your back pocket. Last thing, uh, Philip just tweeted in, do you think Rudy's so unique that there's a large learning curve in learning how to play with him? Hmm. Sure. Um, and I think there's, I mean, there's a bunch of teams in the league right now that are having kind of a funky season to start, um, which leads me to believe that the league is altering the way it's defending. And then the question is how you adjust. Right, So the Jazz, who we thought would be a top-five offensive team, are currently, what, 20th offensively right now? Is that about where we are? Yeah. Um, okay, Denver is um, 22nd, and the Clippers are 16th. So there's something, you know, there's some teams that we, Portland is, Portland actually doesn't surprise me. I, I thought Portland would not be good this year. Um, now injuries have made it so that my predictions are right. Um, but it's interesting. There's some there's something going on in the league <clears throat> that team that different teams are good that we then are better offensively than we anticipated a little bit. Or, now it also ten games, small sample size, one or two good opponents changes that. But let's see what happens over some time. But there's something going on in that regard. Um, and so maybe this Rudy's unique, and maybe then you know some of these other guys are as well. Um, but it does seem as though it's taking a bunch of guys to get going. Thank you, David. See you guys. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. You'll hear him with the Jazz and the Grizzlies Friday. The Jazz are off on the weekend. Next home game is Monday. Minnesota will be in town to see the Jazz.